26 from verse 36 to 41. Okay? Scripture says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, uh, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply depressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. In verse 39, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, it is imp- if, it is, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me or pass over me, like some would say. Nevertheless, not as I will or not my will, but your will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Verse 41, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let's read verse 41 in concert. One, two, let's go. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. But the flesh is weak. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And our contemplation this morning is what it means to be spiritual. Because we all have, uh, we all have our own assumptions or our own beliefs or our own mindsets, mindsets concerning the subject. What does it mean to be spiritual? We see Jesus uh, in this text at a very important point at a defining moment in his life. Jesus is at the place where he has to pray uh, before he goes to be crucified, before he goes to die uh, for you and for me. So this is a very important moment in his life. And he checks with God like we always do, like many of us do, uh, just before we take that step. When we know, you know, God has said, do this, uh, the, the, the flesh will always want to check one last time, do I have a witness? Just one last time. I remember uh, moving back to the country three years ago, 2011, and I had known for years, you know, that um, I would at some point have to relocate, you know, to work uh, with Pastor Godman on the Elevation Church project and all of that. Um, uh, but when push came to shove, hallelujah, you know, it was easy to say, Oh, just give the call. Just make the call. I'll, I'll get on the plane. But you see, when push, I remember PG literally pushed me to resign. Have you resigned? No, I haven't resigned. I'm praying about it. Hallelujah. Even though I'd known for years. And I remember uh, working up to my last day. And I had my send forth on that day. And actually, I got right from the office. I stepped into the underground and went to the, uh, to the airport. And I got on the plane. And I started crying. Hallelujah. As if to say, Jesus, I'm on the plane now. If this is not your will, (laughs) I can still get off. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) I can still get off. Because we all find ourselves at this point in our lives regularly. Father, if if it is not your will, tell me. If it is not your will, please make it change. Make this situation go away. Now, it's instructive to note that Jesus, uh, in this text, never blamed the devil. Hallelujah. 
He never blamed the devil. He asked Jesus the most important, or he asked God the most important question. Is this your will? I've asked before, in fact, I came to the face of the earth for this reason. But just in case I've made a mistake, is this your will? And then he said to his disciples, you need to pray for me. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The devil never came into this equation. I suggest to us that many a times when we blame the devil for our wrongdoings or for our wrong turns in life, we are actually dealing with a spirit versus flesh situation. It is always a case of my will versus his. So when you took that wrong turn the last time, it really was a battle between your will and his will. Someone came to uh, a, a very senior pastor to me once, you know, um, had, had issues with uh, sexual immorality. Um, and he said, pastor, is the devil. He said, it's the devil. He said, every, you know, he said, you know, I never intend to do this thing, but it is the devil. I said, when we get to heaven, the devil is going to accuse a lot of people. <laughs> and so my pastor said to him, he said, all right. He said, next time you feel like doing it, just stand where you are. And refuse to move. He said, the devil is going to pull off your belt. <laughs> but just stand. Don't move. <laughs> and then he's going to, you know, take your shirt off. Don't move. Refuse to move. Until he carries you. If he doesn't carry you. <laughs> because when you see it like that, then you realize, okay, well, you know, maybe it wasn't the devil. <laughs> the devil is just a cheap target, isn't he? It's just an easy target. We can always resort to that card. It's the devil. It's the devil. You know, someone uh, kidnaps someone and requests for money and says, if, 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 if you don't get the money, we're going to kill you. And somehow police arrest the person and then it becomes the devil. But if he got the money he wanted, he would have gone off. It would not have been the devil. He would not have mentioned the devil at any point in that time. Ask your neighbor, is it the devil? Say, is it really the devil? <laughs> Hallelujah. I suggest it is, it is that fight between the flesh and the spirit where the flesh imposes on us its own will and its own desires. The devil is already defeated in Colossians 2 um, and the 13th verse down to the uh, 15th. We see there scripture saying, you know, that God has uh, died for our trespasses and uh, wiped away the handwriting of transgressions that was against us and disarmed principalities and powers and led them in an open show triumphing over them in it. So the devil is defeated. The devil is below your feet already. The devil is not the issue here. But when you get born again, like uh, Romans 12, uh, verse 1 would say, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It then says to uh, offer up your body unto God, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So the next sacrifice you need to make, the next offering you need to make, the next giving you need to give is your body, is your flesh. Yes, you've given your heart to God. It's time to give your body to God. Because if you don't give your body to God, you will keep fighting that fight where the flesh is, uh, is, is weak, 
uh, but the spirit is willing. And as long as the flesh is weak and is not in line or aligned with the spirit, then you cannot activate or execute God's will on earth. You did not come to church by the spirit. As far as I see, I see people lovely, you know, wearing lovely clothes. I don't see spirit here. You came to church because your flesh was willing. Amen. So when you decided to come to church, which is a spiritual decision, uh, because your flesh aligned with that decision, you could get in your, into your car. Your spirit could not have driven you here. You would be a witch. <laughs> Hallelujah. You could not have flown here. It was uh, Archbishop, the late Archbishop Bentini that host, I said he woke up one Sunday morning and he said, wow, I have to be in church now. And his body said, man, I'm really tired of me. I can't go anywhere. He said, well, you meet me in service. <laughs> me, I am going. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> so most of us over time struggle with beliefs and philosophies that seemingly contradict God's word. Over, over my years of counseling and you know, praying with people and talking and listening to people, uh, you come across people with heavy mindsets, people who just, you know, who just believe in this thing uh, um, and, and they're not going to shift from it. You know, it, could, it, could be, it could be things that brought down morality. It could be things that just brought down you know, Christian living and stuff like that. And they say, Pastor, this is what it is. This is what I believe. This is how I grew up. Uh, this is what I, I've, I've grown to know. You know, Pastor Godman was giving the example in the second service uh, about the lady who did not even believe that it was possible to date someone before marriage and not sleep with the person. In fact, she said to his face, I'm telling you it is impossible and I would never do that. <laughs> so he said at some point he had to pray with her and just uh, bid her Godspeed. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and then he mentioned how that, um, of course, along with other factors, went on to play out in her marital life. And so the lady who left his office about six years ago came back at some point where the marriage was about to break. Why? Because she had insisted on some things and those things went on with her even into the place of marriage. Our thoughts form our mindsets and our outlook on life. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 5. I want to read to us the Amplified Translation. Romans 8, verse 5. It says, For those who are according to the flesh are controlled by its unholy desires and are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things that gratify the flesh. I want you to see something. They set their minds on and pursue. It is a natural progression. They set their minds on and pursue. Because your actions will always be a function of your thoughts or your thinking. Or your mindset. So he says they set their minds. That's a mindset there. They set their minds. They pursue the things that gratify the flesh. But those that are according to the spirit and are controlled by the desires of the spirit set their minds on and seek the things that gratify the Holy Spirit. So ask your neighbor, what do you set your mind on? 
What do you set your mind on? I want to talk this morning some truths about spirituality. Some truths about spirituality. What does it mean to be spiritual? Does it have to do with how you walk? Does it have to do with how you greet people? You know, back in, back in school, those days, um, there were brothers, amen, and sisters. Some of us were not privileged to be in that, uh, in that elite circle. We were pastors, we were children of God, but you know, they were the spiritual ones. They, they, they walked, but it looked like they were floating. And you know, on the way to church, it's, it's like this. Let me do it. You know, I like to act a lot. It's like that. This is what it means to be spiritual. Sorry? And then once someone, oh, you're saying it already. You know the language. I say, when somebody greets you, bless you. Some even say shalom. <laughs> Tell your neighbor shalom. <laughs> I say, ah, God, when I grow up, I want to be like that, brother. <laughs> it's very spiritual. Is that what it means to be spiritual? I remember this guy who asked me one day, he said, he said don't you wash your clothes? I said, why? Uh, I do. He said, um, I see you, you wear black a lot. <laughs> so I was wearing a black polo shirt and I was wearing uh, a black pants and a uh, black pair of shoes. Oh, I said, you know, black is actually my best color, you know. He said, okay, well, there's, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> Poor black. If blue is a color and red is a color, why can't black be a color? Uh, but when we watch all those films, aha. <laughs> you know, in those films, you never see the devil wearing blue. Why? Why? Amen. You never see the devil wearing blue. Someone comes to your house, you have a cat. So why do you have a cat? It's a pet. That's why. <laughs> when I say cat, I'm not thinking about witches and wizards and no, I'm not. It's a pet. <laughs> but you see, even 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 spiritual brothers have mindsets, have things that are wrong. I was talking to this guy and I was talking about how I laid hands on someone. I said, Oh, you mean you just lay hands on people like that? I said, Yes. Uh, he said, no, 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 that's wrong. <laughs> he said, before I lay hands, you have to fast. Before you lay hands, you have to fast and pray at least three days so that God will give you the power. But you see, what I understand is that in him I live, in him I move, and in him I have my being. Amen. So when I woke up, I was in him already. You understand that? Meaning that I can execute God's will at any point in time, and I have testimonies for it. That's why I told him, well, you know, I, I lay hands when... So whenever I was, he was walking, I said, ah, yeah, chief, bless you. <laughs> In my mind, I said, yeah, bless you too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And then, and then um, you know, one of these guys at some point... Um, you know, I would go to his house, or his, uh, he was staying in a BQ. I would go to his BQ, and I would see his pair of shoes outside. Then I would see a female pair of shoes outside. At night. 
<laughs> you know. So first time I thought, okay, this looks odd, you know, because he was by my, my friend who, uh, his neighbor who, my, my, his neighbor was my friend. I thought, this looks odd, you know. Um, and then the second time I would see that, you know, I, I got used to seeing it. I thought, well, maybe he was led to have a vigil. <laughs> and so one day he, one day he called me because, um, because I needed to commit something to him and he needed to let me have this information. And then he called me and he said, I have something to tell you. I said, okay, so we took a walk. This is a story, I shouldn't be. And so we took a walk. <clears throat> and he said, um, I just wanted to let you know um, that I have committed the sin of sexual, how did he put it? Yeah, I committed the sin of uh, sexual immorality. I, I didn't understand what that meant because, you know, if you sleep with someone, say you slept with someone. <laughs> I don't get, I don't get the, the Christianese. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking in my head, what is he saying? You know, and he went on using scripture and stuff like that. I said, okay, sorry, you mean you, mean you slept with her? Say yes. Oh, okay, <laughs> you should have said that. <laughs> but it just, it, just, um, it just surprised me that spirituality has nothing to do with the outward. Hallelujah. What you see on the outward should be as a result of what has been established within. So you don't start from outside, you actually start from inside. When Paul was saying the Lord bless you and preserve you holy, he said spirit, soul, and body. Holy there is W-H-O-L-L-Y, the whole of you. Spirit, soul, and body. He says God's will is that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. So your physical prosperity is functional on your soul prosperity. If your spirit prospers, your environment will prosper. Your finances will prosper. Your outside will prosper. But if you're not prospering on the inside and putting on a show for the world, it's going to come back. So it has nothing to do with outward expressions. Rather, it is a mindset. Write the statement down. Walking in the flesh is a mindset. Or a way of thinking. Walking in the spirit is also a mindset or a way of thinking. Someone said some people's minds are like cement. It is mixed up and set. <laughs> and God help you if the mix is the wrong mix. It is set. So pastor, what is a mindset? A mindset is a mind that is set. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Let's look from verse 4. Second Corinthians uh, 10 verse 4. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. Are we there? 2 Corinthians 10 4. It says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strong. Can we have it on the screen? 2 Corinthians 10 4. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, uh, casting down imaginations or arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought or bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Casting down arguments, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So what is walking in the flesh? Walking in the flesh is a way of thinking that does not align itself with God's word. 
That's what it means. Walking in the flesh. It's a way of thinking that does not align itself with the word of God. That will manifest in your actions, but the actions themselves are not walking in the flesh. It's that way of thinking that is walking in the flesh. So when Paul is talking about the flesh in the book of Romans, stop thinking about your skin or your skin color. He's talking about a mindset in Ephesians chapter 4, I believe, the 17th verse. He said, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the Gentiles in the futility or as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. Futile means incapable of producing any useful results or pointless. In the pointlessness of their minds or in the incapability of their minds, that mind cannot produce anything that is useful for God. So it's a way of thinking. We have here that your thoughts become your actions. Your actions become your habits. And your habits become your destiny. Your thoughts become your actions. You know in James chapter 1, the 13th verse, Paul said, Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God tempts no man, neither can God be tempted by any man. He said every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lusts. Of his own lust. He says that lust, when it is conceived, it will give birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, it will give birth to death. He says every man is drawn away of his own lust. That lust, when it conceives, when it takes in. Hallelujah. <laughs> when that lust takes in. So, Pastor, where is that lost? I will tell you where that lost is. You know that lady um, that tempted you yesterday? Or that guy in the exam that gave you expo the last time? Or that person in the office that tempted you into this uh, uh, deal where you get, got a bribe or you gave a bribe and you said to God, God, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that again. Listen, every man is drawn away or distracted of his own loss. So what happens? The next time that person calls you, you have determined in yourself that you will not pick that call. And then the phone rings. At the time the person said he would call. And you have your phone with you. And you can see it is this person's call. And at that point, then you start to debate. Should I pick? Should I not pick? You know, I was counseling a couple once, um, you know, who were, who were struggling to keep themselves away from themselves. I don't know if that language is correct. Um, and I said, what's the problem? Oh, they say, Pastor, you know, um, you know um, sometimes, you know, we're just, maybe we're just watching a film, you know, and the atmosphere is right, and it's dark, and maybe, you know, maybe rain is falling, you know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hallelujah okay and so they came back the next time I said so what happened uh, pastor you know we had said we were not going to do it amen um, but, but she came over you know and uh, you know of course I locked the door um, and so we decided let's just watch a film let's just watch a film that will and of all films you didn't watch action film you didn't watch war film amen it's romance 
Amen. So we thought, let's just put in a romance film. You know, you know, ladies, they just like romance, you know. And uh, so we just sat down, we were watching, you know, and my body touched her body. Must be the devil, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and uh, Pastor, honestly, we don't know what happened. You know what happened. <laughs> you know what happened. I said, okay, next time she comes, please leave your door open. Don't lock it. You know what I do many a times as a pastor? I tell my personal assistant, please, when, uh, when someone comes into the office, feel free. Feel free. In fact, my PA knows when to bump in. When the conversation is going too long. Pastor T, that appointment. There's no appointment, though. Pastor T. Though of course, there may be an appointment tomorrow. It's still that appointment. She's not lying. Pastor T, don't forget that appointment. Ah, that's true. I have an appointment. Okay, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's just round this up. <laughs> let's pray. <laughs> you know? And sometimes I walk out, I walk back in. I leave the door slightly open. I put checks in place for myself. You understand that? Aha. So that I will not say it was the devil. It's a way of thinking. But because I believe in what God says concerning certain things, I insist by my actions to align with the word of God. So he said, Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. Lust, when it has conceived, will give birth to sin. Sin, when it is fully formed, will give birth to death. Death is big adult sin. You know when sin has grown teeth and become an adult, it's no more drinking milk. It's drinking. If you see that chart, it says uh, 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 under habits. Can you put that chart on? Under habits, you see that cycle. Repetition. Repetition is what makes habit. Can we have that on the screen, please? Repetition is what makes habit. Now, by the time you repeat, 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 that sin then becomes adult. It's a big boy. You understand? In that area of your life, it becomes hard to deal with that particular thing. You deal with other, other things. You don't have a problem. In fact, if you read that text, it says every man is drawn away of his own lust. Hallelujah. So, lost is bespoke. Tailor-made, customized. The devil knows your number. He knows the button to press. He knows the hotline. I like saying if, uh, if I see beer adverts, I've never, I've always thought beer tastes like soap. So, if you play a bear advert from now till next year, you never see me say, ah, God. No, it's not going to happen. It's not my own lust. You get what I'm saying? Some people just need to see that advert twice. You break out in a sweat. <laughs> my own may be coke. May be. But I'm receiving deliverance. <laughs> may be. Amen. It used to definitely be. You know, back in the days, after I play basketball, I buy, you know, 1.5 liter Coke. This, this long glass Coke with a plastic cover. Four. So you know God had a purpose for my life. Because I'm still standing. 
I buy four. And I don't mean I take it through the day. I mean I take it once. That's a six liters, isn't it? And so we should take eight liters of water a day. So I just add two liters of water to make it eight. <laughs> I didn't know I was killing myself. Sorry, if you work in Coca-Cola, I don't, I don't have a problem with Coke. I still take Coke. You know, in fact, on Friday, I took Coke, uh, Sprite. You know, I took Sprite from the deep freezer. And one of the pastors saw me. I said, I'm taking lime juice. <laughs> if you check it, there's lime there. So I'm just taking lime juice. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ask your neighbor, what is your loss? Deal with it from the word of God. So you need to think in agreement with the word of God. Do you think in agreement with the word of God? Do you think in agreement with the word of God? Do you think in agreement with the word of God? Because when you think in agreement with the word of God, then you are thinking as God thinks. In Isaiah chapter 55, if we can have that on the screen from the 8th verse. Isaiah chapter 55 um, and verse 8. Isaiah 55 and verse 8. Let me read it to us if we don't have it on the screen. 55 verse 8 says, and I read, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. I want you to see that correlation again between thoughts and ways. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways or my actions are not your actions. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And some of us read that and think we can never think as God thinks. God's thoughts are so much higher than ours, it's like the distance between heaven and earth. But you know what? This bridges that distance. Hallelujah. This is the ladder between your thoughts and God's thoughts and between your ways and God's ways. If you will read God's will and align your thinking with his will, your thoughts become his thoughts. Your thoughts become his thoughts. So the first truth is that walking in the flesh is a mindset or a way of thinking. Walking in the spirit is a way of thinking. Number two, how do you source your raw materials for your thoughts? Because that is very important. It is important where you source your raw materials for your thoughts. It is important where you source your raw materials for your thoughts. I was saying on Wednesday how... A lot of us have based our prayer life on carnal wisdom and sayings of men. People believe the Lord helps those who help themselves is a passage in scripture. It is not. Some say, after all, the Bible says, chew, chew, chew something big so that the Lord can help you chew it. Mm -mm. It's not in the Bible. It's carnal wisdom. It's, it's sayings. Amen. You know, you know uh, uh, especially the, the Yoruba tribe. Nigeria is very rich. But the Yoruba tribes, they have sayings and sayings for, you know, I was at a naming ceremony, I think, on Wednesday. And I was talking about Thanksgiving. I said, Yoruba people, they know how to give thanks. If you do a Yoruba man a favor on Monday, he will thank you till Saturday. And then after Saturday, the greeting becomes Eshi Ojo. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> keep thanking you. Keep thanking you. It's all well and good. But some things are just not what God is saying. It's just carnal wisdom. Some of us get all our inspiration from TV. Oh, anything can happen to anybody. Anybody can die. Anybody can. After all, the rich also cry. You know that one. <laughs> Back in the days, I don't know what they read now. Back in the days, there was a book called Mills and Boone. You know Mills and Boone? Uh-huh. You know, you see some people, you know this one is Mills and Boone. The way people think about relationships. You know, you think you're meant to meet on a beach and he's meant to have a six pack and your eyes will lock and then there's a soundtrack playing. <laughs> Tell anybody, dream on. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. He's going to be low with one pack. But if he has the mind of God, please go ahead. Amen. So that 10 years later, you are not saying, oh, I wish, I wish I knew. <laughs> you know, this one is Mills and Boons. Some is anything the budget says. Ah, you know this year they've, they've, they've withdrawn funds from our sector. So we're not expecting much this year. Is that God's will concerning you? Is that God's mind concerning you? Some of us is just gossip. Gossip, new age, you know all sorts of stuff we read that is not the word of God. All sorts of stuff we take in that is not God's will concerning us. So what informs how you think and internalize issues of life? That's a question to ask yourself. What informs my belief system? What informs my thinking? Because those things will become my, act, my actions, which will become my habits, which will shape my destiny. Scripture says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Proverbs 23, the seventh verse. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Every man is ultimately a product of his thoughts. Those thoughts dictated his actions. He repeated them enough to become habits. Which then went on to shape his destiny. Number three. The word of God is what makes everything spiritual. The word of God is what makes everything spiritual. The word of God is what makes everything spiritual. Those days we have uh, fellowship meetings, you know, and there are people like call spiritometers because I use them to measure the intensity of the spirit in the atmosphere. You understand? So when we are praying and we're clapping and, you know, one of them starts doing like this. Ah, God is here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, or they start tapping or they start, you know, and these people, they are the only ones God speak to, speaks to. <laughs> you know, it was in a Kenahigi meeting, uh, a man got up and started to speak in tongues and was speaking in tongues and he was speaking in tongues and he was speaking in tongues and they were waiting. And he was speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues and he was speaking in tongues. And then he interpreted what he was saying. And he says, good morning, my people. And then he sat down. Yeah. <laughs> and so the pastor said, well, it seems the Lord has chosen to greet us this morning. <laughs> Can we all greet him back? <laughs> so they said, good morning, Lord. Hallelujah. 
<laughs> Spectacular is not always spiritual. Nah, it's not always spiritual. In fact, some of the most spiritual things don't make noise. No, no, no. A real spiritual man is a man who will base his life on what the word of God says. That's a spiritual man. I don't care if he floats or he's so assault when you lay hands on him. Amen. I've seen people fall under the power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen people fall under other powers. Other powers. Even though I don't know where some of our preachers get some of these definitions from, you know. Somebody is doing that. I say, ah, that's a serpentine. <laughs> you know, a friend of mine, a friend of mine went to a meeting once, you know, and he just thought, you know what, this pastor is talking rubbish. So he came out, he came out to, uh, he came out to, to the line when the pastor was laying hands, you know, and the pastor said, oh, you have an evil spirit, you know, uh, that, 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 I need to cast it out. And then my friend was saying in his heart, this guy is talking rubbish. But unfortunately, what he was saying came out. He didn't say it. He started laughing. The pastor said, "Uh that's it. (laughs) That's the the spirit. (laughs) He said, yeah, 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 that's it. That's it. You're coming out today. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm sure my friend felt like casting the man out. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's not always. Not always. Not always. (laughs) Not always. Hallelujah. So, so, So the word is what makes everything. Everything. If you're looking to be a spiritual man, start and end in the place of God's word. That's a spiritual man. That's the man that heaven recognizes. That's the man that God recognizes. He's a spirit, he's a man of the spirit. Because the devil will always put distractions and worries and the cares of life in our face to stop you from getting into the word of God. John 6 uh, verse 63, he said, these words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Uh, there's this beautiful translation, I think it's J.B. Phillips or the Greek transliteration where it says, the words that I speak, they are from my spirit to your spirit to give you life. They are from my, that is inspiration. They are from my spirit to your spirit to give you life. If you go and read uh, the definition of inspiration, it is to inspirit. That's what it means from the root. Or to inspire. <laughs> so I'm not, talking, I'm not talking motivational speaking here. And if you choose to call it motivational speaking, make sure it's from God's word. Make sure it motivates you to do something. Because if you stick just to motivational speaking outside of God's word, it's good. But the problem is you can be motivated to do good. You can be motivated to do bad. Can you imagine the guys who blow themselves up in, you know, all these places? One of them was talking the other day. uh, And he says, oh, we actually lobby. You know, they actually lobby. And you tell me that man is not inspired. They beg people. They look for connections. Who is looking for somebody to blow himself up? Why? Because they have this, uh, this idea, you know, that there are virgins waiting and there's a river flowing with wine. How drunk thou art. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So we're not born of motivation. We are the seed of Abraham. Abraham believed God and that made him. 
the father of faith. Why must you be spiritual in these times? Why must you be spiritual in these times? There's a very important text that we must read before I finish today. Matthew chapter 24 from verses 3 to 14. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, uh, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? Uh, and what will be the sign of your coming and the, um, and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended will betray one another and will hate one another, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all of the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So why is it important to be spiritual in these times. Let's see the things that were highlighted in this text. Deception. We're in times of deception. We're in times of deception. We're in times of wars. We're in times of rumors of wars. You just need to go to the BBC website. It's, 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 it's rare that there's no war or no war about to break out or no war being planned or go to Sahara reporters. You know that one. Hallelujah. You see why we can't afford to live our lives based on these things. If you will listen to Sahara reporters and BBC and all of these things day and night, and they begin to form your thought patterns, uh, I don't even see such people being optimistic. If all you hear every day is war and fight, it says there will be deception, there will be wars, there will be rumors of wars, there will be false prophets. There will be nations fighting against nations. There will be kingdom fi kingdoms fighting against kingdoms. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquake, hatred, offense, betrayal, false prophets, lawlessness. Jesus said you are going to see all these things and guess what? The end has not even come yet. And so it's important in these times that we realize that the only place where safety exists is in the word of God. If you want to listen, if you want to hear what the world is saying, you will hear wars, you will hear rumors of wars, you will hear deception. You will hear all the bad things that will happen, very few things that will happen. Pastor was talking in the second service, how that the media many at times has warped the mind of the average person towards the church. And so they say, every, every pastor has a private jet. Me, I don't. My pastor, he doesn't. His pastor, he doesn't. One day I was in the UK and I saw, I saw a newspaper article and they said, uh, Reverend Samadhi Emi had just bought a private jet. I said, this is interesting. So I sent him a text. 
I said, Rev. <laughs> I said, I just read a prophecy about you. <laughs> he said, yes, so me too, I receive it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sorry, where is he flying private jet to? Is he from his house in Ikeja to Oregon Road? You wonder, do these people even think? <laughs> but because maybe two or three pastors have a private jet. You know, I met a friend recently who moved back from the UK. And I said, what are you doing uh, in Nigeria? He says, oh, you know, I, 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 I manage this service where we take care of people's private jets. I said, how is business? He smiled. He said, pastor, business has never been this good. <laughs> I hear private jets just land and take off. Like, you know, there's almost traffic now. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but in a really busy airport, you can see, you can see that. You know, he said, he said business has never been this good. He wasn't talking about pastors. He was talking about politicians. He was talking about, you know, oil barons, bank MDs, oil company MDs. But if a pastor gets a private jet, we're in trouble. The church is in trouble. So you expect that the Adibwe to be queuing at a BA. He's going to Seychelles. From there, he's going to Philippines. Amen. So he will get to Seychelles. Then he will wait two days for the next flight. It's bad enough. Some pastors take first class and we hear, you hear noise. You're about to see error. <laughs> It is important at these times that we find safety in the word of God. Tell your neighbor safety is in the word of God. The word of God is a safe place. I want you to say a word of prayer at this time. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to usher you into the place of the word. And bring you closer to that place where your will and your thoughts constantly align with God's will and God's thoughts. You will find yourself at every point fighting that battle Jesus was fighting. Lord, if it is your will, I will do it. I wish I wouldn't do it, but I want to do your will. Usher me into the place of your will. Usher me into the place of your word. Usher me into the place of your thoughts. Usher me into the place of your will. Usher me into the place of your word. Usher me into the place of your thoughts. Let your thoughts dominate my thinking. Let your thoughts dominate my life. Let your thoughts, O oh God, form my destiny. The path of the righteous man is as of a shining light. Let my path shine brighter and brighter. Give me grace to stand on your word. Give me grace to do your word. Give me grace to insist on your word.